Venerable Master Miaolian's Dharma teaching. Sharpening an iron rod into an embroidery needle. Seeking blessings and wisdom through practice and study. There was once a very wealthy family with four sons and no daughters. Although the boys were born into a wealthy family, they did not feel that they had enough blessings to enjoy their lives. Instead, they acted like troubled youths, doing the most corrupt things and causing constant trouble at home. Their parents were embarrassed by their son's behavior, and even more so when they heard that some people thought their bad behavior was karmic retribution for some wrong they had done their children in a previous lifetime. However, the sons at least did not squander the family's fortune. And even though they remained wealthy, the parents could not hold their heads up high because of their son's wretched misbehavior. The parents were ashamed that their sons were always loitering around outside and would not remain at home peacefully for even one day. Although they didn't mug people, petty theft was their specialty. Just like modern people smoking methamphetamines and the ancients who smoked opium, this family's boys took up bad habits like smoking, drinking, and gambling, and nothing healthy in their lifestyle at all. The parents were so tormented by their four sons that a friend finally suggested a solution. It is best, he said, to send them up to the temple in the mountains. There is no way to discipline your sons here anymore. Up in the temple, however, there is a monk whose virtue is so highly regarded that his disciples can be found everywhere. And the temple residents are also very pleasant. Your sons should live in the temple for a while and gain some merits by sweeping the grounds and picking weeds. The parents could see no other solution. So they soon sent their sons to live in the mountain temple. After three or four years, their bad habits and corrupt behavior had been corrected. Compared to the young delinquents they had been at home, the four sons turned out to be very well disciplined. According to the old saying, one who touches vermilion experiences the brilliance of red. One who touches tar knows the dullness of black. Living in the temple, one naturally adapts to the lifestyle of the monks and nuns and imitates their virtuous conduct. Consequently, the boys progressed to where they could follow most of the daily monastic routines and eventually opened up their wisdom so that they were no longer ignorant. But they were not fully cured. Although their bodies and speech had adjusted to temple life, shadows of their old bad habits still existed in the boys' minds. Like videotapes continuously replaying images of old crimes. After five or six years, the boys' minds had still not adjusted. 
And they were becoming so frustrated that they disobeyed the rules of the temple and decided to leave. As they reached the bottom of the mountain, they saw an elderly woman who was tirelessly sharpening a piece of iron against a knife sharpener. The four youngsters were curious and asked the old woman what she was trying to make with the piece of iron. I am trying to make a needle, the old woman replied. What's the needle for? one of the boys asked. I want to embroider, and I don't have any embroidery needles, so I decided to make my own, seeing that I have the time, she answered. But old woman, when will you ever manage to finish sharpening that big chunk of iron into the size of a tiny needle? they asked. Young lads, you need to understand that if you put a lot of time and effort into whatever you do, even a big lump of iron can become a sharp little needle. If you don't put in enough time, you won't be able to make a needle even with a thin piece of iron wire. With persistence and patience, the time will come when you will naturally achieve your goal. After hearing these words from the old woman, the four boys finally opened up their minds and found wisdom. They realized that they had adjusted their actions and their speech during the five or six years at the temple, but not their minds. So they decided to go back to the temple to work on their minds. Now who was that wise old woman who had turned the boys around? She was an incarnated form of the Guanyin Bodhisattva. If any being needs to be saved, the Guanyin Bodhisattva can manifest in an appropriate visible body. So in order to enlighten those four boys, the Guanyin Bodhisattva manifested as an old woman that the boys would listen to. Consequently, they went back to the temple to continue their practice of Buddhism and finally achieved Buddhahood. You should always remember the Bodhisattva's words. You have to put a lot of time and effort into any worthwhile task. If you do, even a piece of iron can become a needle. In particular, you shouldn't feel bored or restless when you chant the Guanyin Bodhisattva's name. Nor should you feel tired or worried about your aches and pains when you prostrate before the Buddha's image. And you should not feel hemmed in by the rules you must follow in the Buddha Hall. Just remember, you will inevitably achieve your goal even after such hardships. As the saying goes, a rough piece of jade has no value until it has experienced hard carving. Don't indulge yourselves and don't be swayed by the evil influences of the world. Give up your bad habits. Adopt a healthy lifestyle. Abide by the precepts and listen to the Buddha's words. Abiding by the precepts 
is the best way to achieve Buddhahood. So, what should you do while you're in this world? Even performing good deeds is far less significant than the practice of Buddhism. Sixty or seventy years ago, I personally realized something very important. Back in the old days, farmers living in rural areas suffered extreme hardships. They did not own the land on which they grew crops. They needed land to cultivate, but they could not afford to buy it, so they had to rent. If you have land to farm on, you must also have the seeds to plant. But if you have only the seeds and no land, you can't grow anything. Seeds will only grow when planted in the land. It doesn't even matter if the land is not fertile, because you can always enrich it with fertilizers. Also, the soil must be kept moist if the seeds are to grow into crops. Even if you have both rich soil and seeds, to have a good harvest, you will still need to pick weeds and be constantly on the lookout for the pests and wild animals that can destroy your crops. Also, you can never predict unexpected events such as natural disasters. There may be strong winds, floods, or a big fire that burns your house and crops to ashes. No matter how carefully you try to preserve your seeds, such natural disasters may ruin them. You must have good seeds in order to grow plentiful crops. Without the seeds, only weeds will grow. That is how life works. You must have good causes to make good things happen. The Buddha mentions 37 aids to enlightenment, which teach us that we can benefit ourselves through benefiting others. The most important way to cultivate blessings and wisdom is to practice the four all-embracing virtues and the six paramitas. The first of the four all-embracing virtues is almsgiving. And the first of the six paramitas is also almsgiving. Almsgiving is foremost in attaining blessings and wisdom. Blessings and wisdom do not come inherently and naturally. They depend on the causes and conditions and all the changes around us. You need to constantly transform yourself to attain the end result. Just as a caterpillar transforms itself into a butterfly, Sentient beings need to gradually transform themselves and bring forward their Bodhi minds. They need to see through their ignorance and let go of the five desires that chain them to this world. 
Once you have achieved this, your disposition will become pure. Then you will naturally transform yourself into Sravaka, then Pratayaka Buddha, and then Bodhisattva. Once you have completed the Bodhisattva path, you will become a Buddha. All this depends on your own doing. Buddhism requires that you practice as well as study. You all have listened to a lot of teachings. But what about your practice? Now back to growing crops. As long as you have seeds, it is best to plant them at the earliest opportunity. If you leave them in the barn, they will gradually rot. And so it is with our bodies, our words, and our minds. You need to use your bodies to do good deeds. You need to use your speech to share good words. And you need to use your minds to benefit others. For example, when you are asked to give for charity, you may instinctively say, I don't have any money. But when you think about it, why would you say you don't have any money? Even if you don't have any cash, you still have the eternal wealth, which is your own self. You do need money to do many things. But it is not omnipotent. Money won't do everything. You also need people and auspicious conditions to succeed. So, if we don't have any money, we can at least say some good words in support or praise of others. Monks who don't have any money themselves can guide those who do have money to make appropriate donations. You too can always lead others to make donations. And because you lead them to do good deeds, their merits will also be partly yours. If you hadn't guided them, they would have remained stingy and uncharitable, and it would be even more difficult for them to give offerings to the three jewels. Because they don't have the good roots of understanding Buddhism. I hope that everyone here will strive for blessings, wisdom, and rebirth in the pure land, and that you will benefit all sentient beings by disseminating the Dharma and providing guidance for those who have good affinity with you. Great! I do hope everyone will succeed in attaining blessings and wisdom. Amitabha Buddha.